0: One final brief quote from the New York Times, also February 2020, Beijing is doing everything it can to take back the narrative. When I read these quotes in newspapers, I ask myself, where is the narrative? How is that a narrative? What even is a narrative? And what is the narrative?
1: This is Jim Fallon, Director of Project Narrative at The Ohio State University. And I'd like to welcome you to the Project Narrative podcast. In a typical episode, a narrative theorist selects a short story to read and discuss with me or another host. Today's episode will be a little different because my guest, Paul Dawson, wants to engage in a meta-discussion about the term narrative itself with special attention to the multiple ways it has come to be used in public discourse, especially but not exclusively in public discourse about politics. Paul will soon give us a few short narratives to consider, But these narratives will function for us more as illustrations of what he sees happening with the term than as aesthetic objects whose craft is worthy of close study and analysis. Paul Dawson is associate professor in the School of the Arts and Media at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia. And Paul currently serves as president of the International Society for the Study of Narrative. A poet, as well as a narrative theorist, Paul is the author of five books, Creative Writing in the New Humanities, 2005, Imagining Winter, which is his first book of poems, 2006, The Return of the Omniscient Narrator, Authorship and Authority in 21st Century Fiction, 2013, and the recently released The Story of Fictional Truth, Realism from the Death to the Rise of the Novel, 2023. In 2024, his new book of poetry will appear. In addition, Paul and Maria Makala have co-edited The Rutledge Companion to Narrative Theory, which just came out last year. Paul's second poetry collection, I should mention the title, is Lines of Desire. So welcome, Paul, to the Project Narrative podcast. Paul, I suggest we begin by your telling our listeners about some of your research on the proliferation of the term narrative in public discourse of course, feel free to make any other opening remarks you'd like. Over to you.
0: Thanks for inviting me, Jim. Uh, this is a great venture. What I thought I'd do was start by just giving you three or four quotes from newspapers as a way to kind of frame what I wanted to discuss and give you a bit of a sense of what I've been researching before we launch into things. So the first quote is from Politico, November 2021. President Joe Biden has spent months watching his poll numbers sink as the economy appeared to be losing altitude throughout the fall. That narrative may have changed Friday. Okay. Here's a quote from the Sydney Morning Herald, December 2021. But despite a persistent narrative that Omicron may be milder than previous strains, scientists say they don't actually know this yet. Here's one for the New York Times, February 2020. Asked whether Mr Trump had been emboldened since his acquittal, Mr. Cornyn dismissed the idea as, quote, a narrative, declining to elaborate as he disappeared into a committee room. (laughs) And one final brief quote from New York Times, also February 2020, Beijing is doing everything it can to take back the narrative. So when I read these quotes in newspapers, I ask myself, where is the narrative? How is that a narrative? What even is a narrative? And what is the narrative? So, the last couple of years, I've got a bit of funding from my university, and with the help of two fantastic research assistants, Eva Kelly and Xanthi Muston, I've basically been trying to track usage of the word narrative itself in news media okay. through the Factiva database. In particular, I've been focusing on five major U.S. daily newspapers: New York Times, The Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and The New York Post. But there's a few little things to point out before we start to kind of set the scene. It's clear there's been a massive increase in the use of the word narrative in news media from around 2010. If you look at the trajectory, say, from the year 2000 to now, it's about a 5,000% increase in the the percentage of articles that use the word narrative. From 2010, if we focus on just domestic politics and international relations as the restrictions, Mm -hmm. it's about 0.02% of articles use the word narrative. By 2022, 2% of articles use the word narrative, This is huge. So there's clearly there's an increase in its use. What I find striking, but I don't quite have a reason to explain it, is that overwhelmingly, though, the word is used most frequently of these five major dailies by two of the newspapers. That's New York Times and Washington Post. They happen to be the two newspapers that, according to all sides, media bias rating lean left what others might call the liberal media right so for instance in the year 2020 you don't um, think
1: th- you don't think this means that these newspapers are hiring narratologists though
0: yeah i, I know i know <laughs> they have quoted <photo> narratologists before <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: sorry <laughs> yeah. i couldn't resist but yeah. yeah keep keep going
0: i think it's also because it's certain there's certain um journalists um have a penchant for the word as well which may increase it it's okay usage, right but okay. so 2020 for instance you know about 9,500, the word narrative used about 9,500 times, and 7,500 and times of those were from two newspapers, Wall Street, uh, sorry, Washington Post Washington and New York New times. times. And only, so then we go to the other end of the spectrum, so to speak, New York Post, only mm. 179 times. That's huge.
1: Yeah, newspapers. wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another thing I noticed, which is worth pointing out, is that certain common phrases become attached to particular ongoing stories. So in 2020, which I've been focusing on, Control the narrative, which we'll talk about later. Right. It was used most frequently in reportage of COVID-19 and particularly China's response to it. Uh-huh. Whereas false narrative was used most frequently in relation to Trump's assertion that the 2020 election was stolen.
1: Yeah.
0: One brief thing I'll point out before we um, start also is that you know, there's such a huge semantic range attached to the word narrative. Okay, right. It's a little do of storytelling per se, more to do with, say, referential claims and epistemological assumptions. Mm-hmm. So really, what I'm interested in just in thinking about why we are relying on narrative rhetoric so much, and in particular, when it comes to politics and international relations, why it has dominated both political campaigning and news media reportage.
1: Yeah, okay. Terrific. And you could see some of that semantic range in those quotes, I think, that that you started yeah, exactly. with. Yeah, No. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Okay. All right, well maybe we could at least start out with a particular case study. There's a short well-known statement that, you know, lots of people have labeled a narrative on November 8th, 2020, the election, the night of the presidential election, Donald Trump uh uttered this sentence, Quote, "Frankly, we did win this election." All right? So, you know, let's let's talk about that as a narrative. In what sense would we say that's a narrative? Any reason why we might want to contest that label?
0: Yeah, well, it's very interesting. I mean, for instance, I personally would go, well, that's an assertion. That's a statement. But if if he as a narratologist would want to say what makes it a narrative, we could say it refers to an event. Um, And we can mobilize a range of narratological definitions to to justify that.
1: Um, So the representation of a single event, that's a narrative. Or one or more events, right, that constitutes a, a narrative. Representation and eventhood somehow is seen as a core to the idea of a narrative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But then the, we have this frankly thing, right? Which I the, that opening, right? Which maybe is behind your saying, well, it's less of a narrative and more of a statement or a claim. Is that? Yes, yeah, so it's very
0: interesting uh, because the sentence that precedes that is, I think it was something like, we were about to win this election. Mm-hmm. Frankly, we did win this election. Yeah. So, you know, his whole story was, I was just watching the numbers coming in clearly we had to win and all of a sudden those pesky mail-in ballots started to be counted and something happened yeah. but really it did win so that i think is really quite, quite kind of fascinating because when when this was reported over the next couple of months the most common phrase attached to this uh was false narrative
1: right right
0: so if you look at the number of times false narrative is used over the years there's quite a spike From around 2019, 2020, in in, in the terms of the number of times it's used. And in 2020, used very, very often. There's a spike in August, which is around, you know, time that there was a concern about mailing ballots being raised by Republicans. And November 2020, there's the biggest spike, which is clearly when, you know, the election was held. And every time New New York Times or Washington Post would report on... The, the election results and, and the outcome, they will refer to Trump's false narrative.
1: Right.
0: That, that phrase, which has become so common and familiar now, frankly, we did win this election, was considered a false narrative. What I find interesting is that, like, the way, one, one thing interesting about the way the narrative used in news media is that there's always a synonym that you can find in a, a sentence before or after it. And the most common synonym you could find with this is conspiracy theory
1: uh uh-huh. okay.
0: Yeah, so November yeah, so- 9th, New York Times, yeah, sorry, New York Times w- reported about Republicans, quote, declining to challenge the false narrative that it was stolen from him. December 14th, mm. they say, quote, Trump's false narrative was stolen election. And, and each time, they, they then will talk about his cons- conspiracy theory. Yeah. So the false narrative there, then, is not so much a narrative in the way that we understand it, right, which is a representational event, but more in a sense of like what we're calling like a master plot or a cultural narrative where the stolen election becomes a kind of shorthand for this whole interpretive framework right uh, right which is the elaboration of conspiracy theory which conspiracy theories are typically defined as counter narratives as well yeah
1: yeah so there's a couple of lines to go from there I think one one is the one that you've nicely uh, articulated there so we go uh, the idea of okay false narrative, And then to conspiracy theory, the other line, though, would be go back to the idea of we did win the election, right? Which is, we could say, okay, the representation of an event. And then what's being negotiated is the truth status of that narrative, right? So so the question of, you know, to some degree, we give up, we don't have to, you know, sort of fret over, well, is it a narrative or not? And the attention is, well, what's its true status? And then we have the Post and the Times, you know, continually saying its its true status is that it's false, right? And then we'd have Trump on the other side saying that, it, you know, it's true. I wonder the two about, you have any thoughts on just sort of the the phrasing, right? So we say the false narrative of the stolen election, right? Then the stolen election becomes a shorthand, right? But it's a shorthand which, again, maybe can go, you know, either way as far as true status, right? So reiterating the stolen election as a shorthand also, you know, perpetuates the idea that, well, maybe the election was stolen even by people right. who are Trying to say, you know, it wasn't, right? So there's something about the formulation of one's position in relationship to this shorthand that Yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe works Um, against the idea that it's false. Yeah.
0: Because I, I think I think it's a good point when you say rather than talking about what, you know, is it a narrative or what makes it a narrative, what's its truth status? And I think that's, you know, the most relevant approach to the way the term is used in these media. Because okay. it's less about storytelling than it's about yes. what what is the status of a claim. Exactly. Um, yeah. And as we know, a narrative can be a fictional narrative or a non-fictional narrative. So the very fact that, you know, this claim, this assertion we did win the, the election is referred to as a narrative is interesting in and of itself. Right. Um, but to then say it also has to be called a false narrative, just so everyone knows that it actually is not true. The election was mm-hmm. not stolen. I think you're right that the false narrative becomes a much larger thing than simply an assertion made on the mm-hmm. night it becomes yeah. it c- this kind of shorthand which becomes a kind of framework for thinking about a whole range of activities and assumptions about the election itself yeah right you it encompasses
1: com- uh, a lot yeah Go ahead.
0: it does yeah yeah for instance as early as june the washington post for instance was reporting on a republican party video and here's a quote from june 24 washington post where it says the, the video tortures the facts to create a narrative of an election about to be stolen.
1: Mm.
0: They also quoted Joe Biden, the Washington Post did, in the middle of the year saying he's afraid that Trump is going to claim that the election about to be stolen. But this is a very prescient line from Washington Post in November the 10th, where the Rogers is saying that Trump's claims about election fraud are less about winning the 2020 election mm-hmm. than about, quote, creating a narrative that the presidency was stolen and setting up a campaign to reclaim it in 4 years. Yeah. So what's going on there is to say okay Trump makes his assertion
1: yeah
0: it's called a false narrative but what it's doing is setting up essentially a campaign narrative.
1: Yeah, right. right. And
0: yeah that, there's a resonance of stolen election as you said it keeps getting repeated it gets to attached it gets attached to the phrase false narrative it's called conspiracy theory but at the same time it yeah. just seeps into public discourse as you said as, a, as something that encapsulates all these ways of thinking about um, voting habits voting systems partisan politics so on and so forth
1: right so as a strategy whether it's you know consciously thought out or not it, it has this this kind of effect of on the one hand the overt claim is okay 2020 was stolen from me but even if that he's not going to go anywhere with that as far as overturning it still is seeding and contributing to a kind of ongoing narrative that he's going to use in 2024
0: yeah exactly so, it becomes so, a yeah. becomes a narrative not simply an assertion by virtue of the fact that it can accommodate a, ongoing events as yeah, be reported ex- and such exactly yeah, yeah news so as the a as, is not simply a statement yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that that you quoted was this phrase, the narrative. And I think we want to talk a little bit more about that. But maybe before we get to that, pick up on what you were saying about sort of the range of meanings that the term seems to have accrued in in these usages in the, you know, popular press. So, you know, do you want to, what are some of the things on the list? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is interesting? So, like, what I would do is, you know, I would just track the number of times the word is used, and then you know, look at the articles. And there's always, you know, what I call a, a synonymic chain, mm-hmm. where you find the word in the article. But when you read the article, at some point, there's always the lexical substitute for the word narrative. So, you know, in another sentence, and some of those would be um, opinion, mm-hmm. assertion, viewpoint, message, perspective discourse, argument, agenda, fiction, lie, falsehood, conspiracy theory. There's yeah. such a huge range.
1: Yeah, that really
0: is. It's to do with storytelling, right? Right. Uh, that, that's why it goes back to what you were saying, Jim, about, you know, is it, is it or is it not a narrative? Can we think more about truth claims? I think those very things, yeah. you know, from message to assertion or opinion all the way to conspiracy theory are all about what is the truth status.
1: Right, right. You and know, the, and the, the idea... Yeah, that one quote you have, oh, that's a narrative. That becomes a way to dismiss it, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. you, you know, oh. so that's, we don't have to pay attention to that. It's just, you know, some, something made up or whatever. It doesn't, it,
0: Yeah, you know, and if it, you go back to the quote, it says, he it quotes John, John Cornyn, the U.S. senator, yeah. and it says he dismissed the idea as a narrative. Yeah, yeah. So the reporter is saying, what's whatever the idea that Trump has been emboldened, that is a narrative. Yeah. So suddenly an idea becomes a narrative, but also, as you said, it becomes dismissed because it's only a narrative. Right. It doesn't have truth status. Right. 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 Um, Right. So then.
1: No, you go and then I'll go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just to me, just because I I keep going to my asking myself, why Why use narrative when you can just say opinion, assertion, argument, viewpoint, whatever. Right. But I think it is precisely because truth is so contested in public discourse at the moment, right? Yeah, right? That narrative enables somehow its very range is what enables the the kind of referential uncertainty and epistemological doubt yeah. uh, that is attached to so much to public debate at the moment. So right. in one sense, because it's a little bit loose because it can refer to so many other things. But in another sense, I think that's why it is used so often because mm-hmm. it can,
1: right it's not it, attached
0: to something. Yeah. Right?
1: It, it provides a purchase for just about everybody with their different epistemological assumptions and so on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So from maybe a narrative theory kind of perspective, I mean, the question is once we see this phenomena, these phenomena that you've nicely laid out, the question arises, well, what's a narratologist to do in, in the face of all this, right? You know, should we step in and try to police this and say, no, no, we know what narrative is and here's the definition and everybody should quote it and salute Or do we just step back and say, well, this is what's happening. We're just going to describe it and sort of try to stay out of the fray as we give our account of it. Or is there some way in which we can sort of bring to bear things we know about narrative and discourse and the way these things work and maybe, you know, at least educate others who are observing this or maybe even have some kind of, you know, intervention? So, I mean, in a way, you, you've got a great problem and you've, you've described it really well and it's multifaceted. And now the question is all right, well, what do we do? What is a narratologist to do? What it's are your very thoughts? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess what is a narratologist? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it is true that my initial response when I read this is to be annoyed, mm-hmm. to say, that's not a narrative. Why are you using the word that way? Yeah. And I think we can't fall into the trap of being territorial mm-hmm. and saying, well, look, we're the experts, you know. Right, we're, right. The, we're the elites in the ivory tower. We know these meanings. We have these definitions. There's not in the definitions. That to me is probably the least productive line to take because it's it's not really going to achieve anything. Okay. Uh,
1: right. Yeah. Well, we'll, end to, exactly, we'll end up talking to ourselves. We'll end up talking to ourselves. Yeah. Okay.
0: Another approach to say, well, okay, here's an opportunity. We are experts because we do study narrative and we kind of research it and publish it and publish on it. So maybe we can see ourselves not as ivory tower academics, but as participants in public discourse. Mm-hmm. And that we can bring to bear our expertise as public intellectuals. So that is certainly the line say that that um my colleague Maria Mackler takes, where she wants to kind of show that if we draw upon narrative theory, we mm-hmm. draw upon anything from concept of experientiality from mm-hmm. Fludnick and, and David Herman, uh, mm-hmm. through to, you know, contemporary theories about virality to engage with this. And I think that that's also really interesting to say that we can engage with this range of meetings and try to kind of understand and bring to bear our expertise. Another sense to me, that's also a way of just saying, oh, look, you know, we, we, we are there to kind of show how people need to understand things better. And I get that's, that's fine. But it's, it's, by the same token... What is interesting is that why do we have any authority whatsoever of the term narrative? You know, if Mm -hmm. if it's being used that way, fine. And I think that I first of all just want to know the range of ways it's being used and thinking about why it is being used. And if we go, why is it being used in this way? That might be some way of providing some context rather than saying we should be using it this way or that way. At right. least uh, that's what I'm thinking at the moment
1: anyway. Yeah, and then it can go in two directions, right? So on one hand, it can inform the way we think about narrative. We should say, well, maybe given that it's being used all this way, we need to maybe reconceive things rather than sort of say, we already know what it is and we're going to stick to it and try to impose that. And But then also, as you are saying, you know, bring what we know, the kind of expertise to these new uses and this, you know, sort of range that it has, and and these different kinds of discourses. So, yeah, well, uh, well that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the only well, other one thing is interesting though, Jim, that yeah. there is a
0: real high degree of reflexivity about the way the word narrative is used in news media. So, I mean, it's not like they don't have theoretical assumptions themselves. Exactly. So this is part of what you know, Maria will call the contemporary boom in instrumental storytelling, mm-hmm. where the narrative turn in the academy. Used a whole range of different theories way beyond narratology and literary theory right, about right. narrative that has become popularized and instrumentalized in public discourse from politics through to advertising. And so when people do use the word narrative, it is backed up by, hmm, you know, they may be kind of populist and demotic, but they're still theories of narrative, mm-hmm. which in some way came from the academy as well. So again, there's that kind of territorial aspect to it. You know, do yeah. we say, oh, no, 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 no. we unleash this? Now we need to
1: rein it rain it in or something exactly yeah yeah, yeah 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 I just one quick comment when you said uh, well what's a narratologist I was thinking oh now our, our your your work is sort of going to raise an identity crisis for all of us yeah. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> but uh, well, presumably we'll get over that I want to pick up on something that uh, a thread that we started to weave before which is the idea of the 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 phrase the narrative. And I, th- I think you've, you know, you've noticed the difference between you know the definite article. So the narrative is one thing and a narrative is another. Maybe you could expand on those uh, yeah, observations? Yeah.
0: It is fascinating. Well, here's a quote. This is from Kevin Roos in the New York Times, 26 September 2019.
1: Okay. Quote,
0: if Democrats want their impeachment narratives to stick they will need to do a better job of controlling the, on gra- the online battleground, where partisan opportunists jockey to set the narrative in real time and undermine the opposing side. Uh, so something about our narrative and their narrative, which is a kind of dynamic, which I find fascinating. So I get the sense that you know when, when the phrase, the narrative is used in news media, it's not attached to a particular teller or it ha- it's not a, a textual artifact is not a perspective associated with a particular agent. It's almost a synonym for the, for the daily news cycle, mm-hmm. which becomes in itself almost a metonym for public opinion. The okay. idea is that the narrative is this kind of rolling tide of opinion yeah. uh, that just emerges out of news media, social media, online discussion, mm-hmm. and it becomes, in some sense, a prevailing consensus. Right. But a narrative, then, is something far more strategic, and designed and associated with particular agents okay so if you look at say the, some of the verbs used that would say trump or the republicans or democrats would create spin craft a narrative okay and yeah. it's designed to say okay this is our perspective on events if we get that out there in the public sphere that might eventually assume the status of the narrative which is not attached to attila that's what i find fascinating so in this quote about the Democrats have their impeachment narrative, so that's how yeah. they want to frame our perspective on Trump's impeachment. But th- th- that narrative, a Democrat narrative, will get nowhere unless it becomes the narrative in the online battleground. Right. And the fact they use the phrase "controlling the online battleground" goes back to this recurring phrase: "control the narrative."
1: Like, yeah.
0: What is the narrative? It's not a thing. It's not. It's not a definite article. It's not uh, not an object. It's just this. Consensus opinion, opinion that somehow right. no
1: one has any control them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's an interesting paradox there, I think, in the sense that, as you say, it's it's a kind of consensus opinion. And in that sense, it's sort of like the product, right? So and in that quote, right, the Democrats wanting to control the impeachment narrative, they want that product to stick, right, to, to be a fixed kind of thing, right? That's what controlling means, right? And yet, as you point out, it changes. I mean, that is the, the idea of control suggests that this won't stay still, right? It's, as you say, the ongoing, unrolling tide of public opinion, which suggests process. So there's an interesting paradox between, on the one hand, the narrative as this fixed thing and the actual processes by which people try to control it, acknowledging that it's not fixed. So that's... Yeah,
0: know, I agree. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, just, you know, the quote is, you know, set the narrative in real time, which gives us a, a sense of that temporality, right? Right. And another common kind of phrase is, of course, change the change narrative. Change the narrative. So the, the narrative can change. Right. Because the narrative is just, you know, in the 24-hour news cycle, there's just always opinions and something's going to emerge as the, the the thing that sticks.
1: Right, right, right. That, right.
0: Like I said, that has to be set, but it's ongoing. Right. Whereas but, a narrative is designed specifically... To, to kind of seed public opinion to become the narrative.
1: Right. But a narrative, or in, in a traditional sense, as opposed to the narrative, right, we think about that as a process, we beginning, middle, and end. Mm. Whereas the narrative is all about the end, the conclusion or, you know, the summary or whatever it is, right? So that... That's also, I mean, the the definite articles are doing a lot of a lot of work to differentiate. They're
0: doing some weird stuff. That, yeah, yeah. A, because the narrative, if I go, there has to be a particular thing, but it's not. Because a narrative could be anything, but in this sense, it means something specific. It means a yeah, design yeah. strategic yeah. framework. So yeah, it, it's yeah. doing a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, because and your point, it your,
1: your point about the difference too between the narrative as sort of floating sort of above individual agents and a narrative as... Very much involved with agents, actors, tellers, and you know who's telling it, about whom, and to whom, and all that. I mean, that's that's also another you know significant difference in terms of the way in which these two terms that look s- so close, the narrative and a narrative, are actually capturing very different concepts.
0: Yeah, definitely different. I like I said, I think it, they they operate in tandem to try to, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if they do this if intentionally, yeah. but they do operate in tandem to in some way describe a dynamic. Okay. So wrote, there's a fantastic, fascinating book by Andrew Chadwick called The Hybrid Media System, Politics and Power, 2017. Okay. And he, he has this idea that the hybrid media system today is essentially, you know, there's legacy broadcast media and, you know, contemporary, you know, mm-hmm. social media that are kind of combined. But he has this term, which he calls the political information cycle. And this is his definition. He says, quote, political communication now occurs in complex hybrid assemblages of older and newer media, as a diverse array of actors, ranging from large professional news organisations to elite politicians to engaged citizens, participate in an incessant struggle to shape public discourse and define the political agenda. Mm -hmm. To me, that incessant struggle to shape public discourse is what the news media would call controlling the narrative
1: narrative. exactly
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so in other words there's a kind of it's not just that the term narratives become fashionable and people get using it and that we think about public debate about competing narratives this is that structurally the this hybrid media system almost forces us to operate in this way that it is a kind of struggle that narrative is a way to kind of in some way make sense of that struggle i suppose uh have to control the narrative yeah yeah
1: yeah, no, that's that's nice. I think it, yeah, his description sort of nicely complements or elaborates on the kinds of things that you've been saying. So, so that's very helpful. Yeah, he
0: doesn't talk about narrative, but to me, I can see that's what news media kind of means when I talk about it. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Right, right. And then I think too, everything you've said also helps understand like the. Just go back to the point that controlling the narrative and changing the narrative are, you know, so important, right? So the struggle. Struggle to have the, the control the narrative, make it stay fixed, or struggle to control the narrative by changing it, and then have the new thing be be fixed, and then that process just continues as events unfold and people respond, and so on. So there's another another element of this I think that's worth trying to tease out a little bit, which is that you know the the commentary ad, the, all these news organizations that you're tracking, and the Journalists and so on, they're, they're not simply sort of neutral reporters, right? But they're they're to some degree actors in this whole, you know, the, what's happening to the term and the concept and what's happening to what gets controlled and, you know, the struggle itself. So, what are your thoughts on that uh, about the, uh, you know, the activity or uh, the influence, the, the consequence of the commentariat? on sort of the struggle for controlling or changing the narrative?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I mean, one thing that's striking about the use of the word narrative in news media is that it is so self-reflexive. Mm-hmm. What is interesting is that, yes, so journalists will keep saying, there are these politicians and, you know, they operate by having narratives and so on and so forth. And so, like journalists are aware that, you know, narrative has different different meanings and usages. But at the same time, they are themselves perpetuating yeah. this discourse by using these phrases as to control the narrative themselves. So, yeah, I agree. They, they, are, they are definitely actors in, in, in this process. So this is what I call journalistic implotment, that okay. journalists themselves, news media agents themselves, are attempting to implot current events mm-hmm. in the way that Hayden White might use the term right. in the daily news cycle. And they do this kind of consciously. But what I, and I think this is because in the way that Andrew Chadwick describes his political information cycle, yes, the news media are agents themselves. And I think that what they tend to do is they are competing amongst themselves for the moral and epistemological authority mm-hmm. to establish what is the narrative.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: find that when, when outlets such as Wall Street Journal um, and New York Post use narrative, like, so, for instance, in 2020 you know, I said false narrative was typically related to the stolen election. Those newspapers, if they used the term false narrative, it was to talk about Democrats, liberal elites, and the liberal media. In other words, they're saying the media, by which they mean New York Times, Washington Post, you know, have these false narratives, blah, 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 blah. So the word does become used in different ways amongst themselves, and I find that, you know, associate news associations are always constructing and other whether Mm -hmm. it's social media where there's information disinformation uh, which is challenging the whole business model of news media or whether it's foreign state-run media which you find in reportage on china so for instance whether or not you know they lean left or lean right according to all sides media bias ratings you know if if news media reporting on the way that china tries to control the narrative they're pitting themselves against foreign state-run media, right. you know, saying we're the independent right. press. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or it's each other. Yes, you know, Fox News is, is responsible or whatever. Right. So right. In, I agree that, you know, this self-reflexive use of narrative is being deployed as part of this struggle, which sets yeah. up an other in, in those particular forms.
1: Right. And that connection, I mean, uh, it's a commonplace now that there's this polarization in the United States, and, and then that polarization is reflected in organizations like MSNBC on the one hand and Fox News on the other. And one question that that arises, and as you say, right, that they are positioning themselves in relationship to each other, you know, and both making claims about truth and you know better journalism and that kind of thing, but does we. Does your analysis have any implications for the possibility of moving beyond this kind of polarization? And, you know, there's a lot of talk about echo chambers and, you know, people living in bubbles of MSNBC or Fox News or anything like that. Well, that
0: might be that <laughs> yeah, might be beyond the purview of a neurotologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. At this stage, what I'm doing is that I'm Interested in how the word narrative is being used, right. and I can see that if I track and then read articles that use the word narrative, I can see it, it, it is being used to further this dynamic, right, of mm. this, this kind of polarized struggle over the over the truth status of interpretation of events. I'm not sure at this stage that my anatomization of the term narrative could lead to any solution to this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I am. I do think it's fascinating that you know this. They, they don't hide, they don't hide this polarization, right? It's, yeah, no. You know, um, it's, it's right out there. It's just like, yes, what I really find interesting is how they talk about the media. They go, but hang on, you are the media. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, right. the media does this. Right, They right. have the perpetuate these false narratives. Yeah, so the media somehow is not you.
1: Well, it goes back to your point about they need an opposition, and, and so yeah, exactly. they'll just create, yeah, yeah. they'll create the media as their opposition. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, They want to maybe... Basically,
0: the media Media, but then as the social media, and then as foreign state-run media, is always comparing themselves so they can say, "Who does have the authority?" Because I, mean, I think it's what I find fascinating. But I mean, my my broader claim here would be that this proliferation of the term "narrative" mm-hmm. is essentially a symptom of and a response to just an epistemological crisis. Yeah, that's you know in what we were going to call what we will call post-truth, right? Yeah. which is emerges from information overload a fragmented media system, rise of social media, decline of traditional news media. And it, it, in a sense, it's a holding pattern. It's trying to fill the gap by saying, we can't make these assertions. There's too much information out there. We're competing amongst each other. We don't know what to do. The, narr- right. the narrative which a huge semantic range is in some way trying to accommodate yeah. all and this all, and referential uncertainty.
1: All that exacerbated by an actor like Trump, who has no particular interest in... You know, having his statements be tested against extra textual evidence yes. and stuff. We
0: well, then- have two good quotes about Trump. Hang on. So, did both from Politico in 2020. Okay. Quote, and Trump has doused yet another media cycle with his own narrative. Yeah. Rinse, repeat. And then, also from the same newspaper, but the president, this is still Trump, is nothing if not a master of reframing the narrative in any way he deems helpful. Right. So again, right. you know, it's kind of like Trump yeah. understands the dynamic, obviously, right. uh, but again, it's reported as a struggle over the narrative.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Trump's master at it, and you can see the narrative is understood as a media cycle as well. Yeah. Right,
1: right. And that also goes back to your point about employment, which I think maybe is, you know, and as you say, we may be getting beyond our <laughs> expertise and, and, you know, what we can legitimately make claims about, but it makes it may be an avenue in the sense that implotment does involve taking the raw materials of, uh, you know, events and shaping them into a story. And there is, I think, you know, that one can make an appeal to events and therefore that the implotment that appeal to the events may be that the implotment can be tested against what actually happened right so you know to some degree this is what's at stake in the current indictment of trump right there what did he do with the documents right and and so therefore you know in in the court it's that's going to we're going to have two different implotments right and there'll be a, some decision rendered about that so maybe there was a little bit of hope with that. But at the same time, your, your point about describing what Trump is doing as reframing you know, the narrative of being successful and so on, if it stays at that level without making an appeal to, well, what, is, what are the events underlying it? It's actually perpetuating the problem. Or, or at yeah. least it seems to me that that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you would agree.
0: Yeah, I mean, what is interesting is is that for political strategists and for scholars of narrative warfare, the idea is that there are facts and narrative is about framing the facts. Right, right. So that at least based upon an assumption there's something that happened. And then narratives about it, uh, attaching meaning to the facts. Yes. And then maybe about mobilizing and weaponizing and blah, blah, blah. There's still some there, said there is a difference.
1: Right. Okay.
0: The problem is, of course, that do people care or not? And that's mm-hmm. the claim being made now that people know the facts, they just don't care. They yeah. know what Trump did, they got a big deal. You know, and yeah. they yeah. might make up, you know, a reason for, for why he, he, he did it. So I think that 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 is the problem. But I do agree that, you know, the, the word narrative, even though it, it is, it, it encapsulates this referential uncertainty, epistemological doubt. It is still, nonetheless, different from fact,
1: yeah. and
0: the, we at least have to say that that might be something that is, as as the kind of the basis from which we can try to negotiate this, without a doubt. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do think that's one of the problems. That you know, do people in fact care?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 And then that gets into a whole lot of things about you know why and why not and so on. and there. That's a subject for another <laughs> podcast, I think. So are there any kind of concluding remarks you want to make or, you know, things that we you hope to get to that we didn't?
0: Well, I do think that, yeah, the, the, the questions you're raising at the end here are very important because at this stage, you know, what I've been trying to do is just try to anatomize and describe mm-hmm. and understand how the word is used, what's at stake, where it comes from, and I think it is what I've been doing is then trying to use it to try to understand how particular news stories are being described. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you know, in previous articles, I've looked at um, you know, a little bit about the stolen election, a little bit about the, the Wuhan lab leak. Right, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Your, your article on conspiracy theories is really... That's right. Yeah, I'll yeah, recommend yeah. that to our audience. Yeah, it's very good. And <laughs> yeah. in, in the uh, Rutledge Companion to Narrative Theory that that's Paul right. yeah, and yeah. Mar- Maria have yeah. Uh, co-edited, Yeah.
0: So I do think, yeah, if we can look at particular news events and the reportage of them, Mm -hmm. drawing upon these ideas, this mode of analysis, this method, might be a way to start thinking about, okay, if we can track the way, not that narrative is the only way to think about this, but if we can track the way the narrative is used when reporting on these events, that might give us a sense of what is at stake and therefore how we could try to get, get a better grasp on the way that narrativization of events is taking place. Okay. So it may be that, you know, what I'm doing is describing a method, which then when it comes to particular ongoing news stories, might be helpful in engaging with them in some way.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. This was really quite stimulating and lots of food for thought. So so thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. My yeah.
0: first ever podcast. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All yeah. And it was a great well, discussion as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, and I also want to thank our listeners and say that we appreciate your feedback, which you can send to us at email, project narratives one word at osu.edu, or you can find us on Facebook or write to our Twitter account at PNOhio State. I also want to say that you can find 19 additional episodes of the Project Narrative podcast at the Project Narrative website at Ohio State or on Apple Podcasts.